Guys, coming to you live on ESPN Plus after an amazing rivalry weekend. Really, rivalry weekend, Turk. I know you were at the LAFC LA Galaxy game working, of course. Yes. How was the vibes? How was the buzz there? It was good. It's the LA Derby. It's El Trafico. It's El Clasico. Whatever you want to call it. It brought out the stars. It brought out the players. It brought some good footy. Yes, and not the only rivalry this weekend. We got shots fired, Herc, all over MLS. So we're going to have to clean up uh, a very tense weekend across Major League Soccer. We're also talking about Liga Mekis, Herc, uh, and we got some big potential transfer news. Danny Alves linked to one of los cuatro grandes down in Mexico. We'll talk about that. Uh, plus, we have to look ahead to tonight's game between Mexico and the United States in the CONCACAF W Championship. It looks like El Tri Femenil, Herc, are headed to a fra but we will discuss that a little bit later in the show. There is only one place, Herc, that we can start this edition of uh, Football yes. Americas, and that is in my beloved hometown of Washington, D.C. And you know it, the news of Wayne Rooney. Here he is arriving late last night at Dulles Airport. That's in Northern Virginia. Multiple reports now stating that he'll take over the D.C. United coaching job as soon, Herc, as all the paperwork is complete. He's going to replace Chad Ashton who, of course, replaced Hernán Lozada earlier this year. And, of course, uh, all this is happening 48 hours, Herc, after DC United lost 7-0 to the Philadelphia Union. DCU was down 5-0 at the half. It's the worst loss ever. Shout-out to uh, Julián Carranza, who had a hat-trick. So no doubt about it, Herc. DC United need a massive turnaround. Is Wayne Rooney the man to get it done? Seb, where do we start? Yeah. I mean, to the rescue, Wayne Rooney, 7-0. A touchdown and an extra point. Listen, um, unless Wayne Rooney can go in and play some defense <laughs> and clean things up, this isn't going to get any better. I mean, it's the league worst defensive yeah. team. I'm sorry, 37 goals tied for the league worst with, guess who, Seb? The DC United of the West. The San Jose Earthquakes, mm. that's mm. right. Okay, You've gonna, you're going to come out of here and have to clean shop. Uh, there's only one designated player. Thankfully, luckily, that designated player, Taxi, he's actually one of the few who are doing well. The bar is low, but you're really what? Only in front of Chicago. You've mm. got two more goals of them. You're only nine points out of the playoff spot. Never is all yes. lost in Major League Soccer. There's still time to recoup. But if you're asking me, if this change around includes making this team relevant, mm. Mm. no. This team has We're not been We're talking about them. I just did a hit on ESPN FC, so they're definitely more relevant today. For how today. long will we talk about him, Seb? Because he was there as a player, Seb. He was there as a player for two years. One year, what, scored 12 goals. The next year, scored 11. Actually took him to the postseason, mm. but it didn't make them relevant. We spoke about him every once in a while. He'd score a goal. He'd do something like that. He's not a player anymore. He's actually a coach. The body of work isn't extensive. We don't know what we're going to get with him as a coach. Now, if you think as a long-lasting, long-serving D.C. United fan that this makes them relevant again, I don't know what to tell you. This team has not been relevant since Moreno, Echeverry, Bruce Arena. What's that guy who used to coach him, by the way? He played for them. What's his name? Um, ben the, Olsen, our colleague here on ben ESPN. Olsen. They, they have not been relevant since that guy was on the field. So hmm. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't argue with the, with the fact that they haven't been relevant, but they were very relevant the last time Wayne Rooney was here. And so to, to that point, you can understand the logic of bringing this guy in. We're talking about it. They're talking about it on ESPN FC. They are immediately more relevant, which helps you in a lot more of ways, relevant. right? Selling tickets. To your point, 
The only way they stay relevant is if they win. And the last time he was here, they did win for a while, and they were very relevant at the end of 2018. They got the playoffs. But it didn't, but it didn't last. I, I get your point there. To the point about whether he'll turn things around, no. In the long term, Herc, I don't think he'll turn things around. But that's not necessarily based on what I think about Wayne Rooney, the manager. There's a very thin resume, and it's in extreme circumstances at Darby County as they're really yeah. going into administration and losing a boatload of points. It's hard to judge him there. I don't think he's going to be able to turn this around because of what I think of D.C. United's ownership, right? I don't think that they're capable of providing him the tools that he needs to truly turn this thing around. But to your point, depending on where we draw the line for a turnaround in success, I think you could very much make the case that this will have a short-term impact. I say that, one, because it's a thing I got wrong last time, right? I didn't think Wayne Rooney would come in and be, A, the player that he was still, but more importantly, make everybody else around him that much better. He made bad players good, he made good players great, and the team was good. If he can have that impact, I think DC United could go up in the short term. I'll also say this. I think he's got a very, very nice Rolodex. And when you're Washington, D.C., it's an attractive city, but DC United is not an attractive team. If Rooney can get some names attached to it, one of, one of which is Luis Suarez, which we saw reported by uh, Stephen Goff in the Washington Post, then I think there could be a spark. There could be that lightning in the bottle, which right now, Herc, for DC United fans is about all we can hope for. Going to what you're saying about that Rolodex, yes, I agree with you. If he went to a cell phone right now, there is a Rolodex, a name of players, a plethora of very good players, expensive players who would come play for him, no doubt. The problem, and you stated, is ownership, mm. is front office. And those have been the issues plaguing DC United for who knows how long. Yes. They are of the lowest spending teams in Major League Soccer. They are cheap. They don't care about it. And the product shows. Yeah, I'll tell you since when. Since 2012, when Jason Levian, who's the current owner, took over. DC United has really struggled to maintain relevance in the DC market, Herc. And when I think about this move, it's a, it's a desperate move from DC United, right? It's, it's, hey, we tried this last time. It made us relevant for a very brief time. But... It may not last long. Now, when I, well, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, what happened? Two things. What happened to Seb? Because you said this move didn't speak to you when he was a player. It didn't speak mm-hmm. to the D.C. market. And two, mm-hmm. what happened to Wayne Rooney? I thought it was his wife that didn't like D.C. All of a sudden, they're back. Can I say, I'm, I'm shocked that, they took, that he took this job. I'm shocked that he took this job. Um, he was linked to Everton. I, I know some people that didn't think he was ready for Everton job. But if there was a championship gig or even like a League One gig, and I'm sure he did enough at Derby County to, to get some interest, especially when you consider it's Wayne Rooney, I would think any gig like that would be better, not than any job in MLS, Herc, but better than this D.C. United job. And, I, and I'll leave it at this. I'll let you finish up here. Wayne Rooney knows D.C. United intimately. He was there when they opened the stadium in 2018. And when he comes back four years later, he's going to find an unfinished stadium with massive holes in what should be a roof. If D.C. United's ownership can't build a stadium, how are they going to give him a good team around him so that Wayne Rooney can have success? And if anybody knows how important that is, Herc, it should be Wayne Rooney. He just went through it at Derby County where he did everything he could. He was paying the freaking players reportedly. And guess what? And guess what? It still wasn't enough because the people above him were incompetent. Is he going to find anything different in D.C.? I surely don't think so. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. I don't know what to tell you, Seb. I'd hate this, to be a DC this United is the part fan of the, days. This is the part of the show where you're supposed to lift me up. <laughs> lift me up. All right, let's lift you up a little bit. Let's talk about some other rivalry games from around Major League Soccer on this busy weekend. Oh, I don't think this one will lift you up. Mm-mm. Seattle and Portland. Portland, three nothing winners over Seattle on the day that the Sounders unveiled not just their CONCACAF Champions League banner, but also the patch that they were uh, very proud to wear. This game, I will admit, was not without controversy. A a pretty big penalty shout for Seattle that was missed, right? Oh, you think? A game that would have changed, or sorry, a call that would have changed maybe the game. It didn't happen. Uh, That's fine. Uh, This is a strange, strange Classico diary, whatever you want to call it, because the home team usually does not win. Okay, elsewhere, because that Seattle game was played in front of 47,000 fans, in front of 67,000 fans in Atlanta, Austin scored two goals in the first 17 minutes. They go on to beat Atlanta United 3-0. Austin, by the way, hey, shout out to them, right? Second in the Western Conference. Atlanta right now, 11th Herc in the Eastern Conference. Four games in a row without a win. And guess what? Joseph Martinez, he is not very happy about it. And some people still think, oh, because we lost this guy, we lost this guy. We have a mistake. We all make a mistake. And... uh, we are professional. It's no kids anymore. And if you come here, you have to know what we have to do. So if you not come here for 100%, probably you know you not have to choose this this club to play. So the people, that's a message for everyone. If you want to bring some guys, it's because they want to play here, and it's not because business. And um, that's happened for a long time. All right, Herc, Atlanta had a bad weekend. Seattle had a bad weekend. Who do you think had a worse weekend? Oh, it's Atlanta by far. Listen, Seattle, I'm sure, will console themselves with Mm -hmm. that little patch right there and that championship banner. Sounders TV over there. No, let me get on Atlanta for a second. But the people in Atlanta want blood, and Joseph Martinez is one of them. This is the face of your franchise. This is the highest-profile player of your team, the star, the player that means everything to your team and to that fan base, calling out everybody, calling out the players, these million dollar signings, these players that make millions, that come to Atlanta, have come to Atlanta and not produced, who are coasting by, not even trying. He's calling them out. He's also calling out the strategy, the strategy of the front office. He's calling out everybody and anybody in that organization of how it's been a circus and not been good enough since I don't even know how long. What are we going on? The Tata years? Tata Martino? Yep. Tata 2019, Martino? 2019, basically. 2019. Yep. We're in 2022, going to 2023 soon. That's how long it's been. And while he's doing this, okay, he also said he doesn't know if he will be back. He's also leaving himself, the star of the team, he's leaving that up in the air, whether he will come back to Atlanta United or not. I don't know how it gets much worse for Atlanta United fans. I'm with you, but just so we don't breeze past Seattle, right? Oh. It's, it's, it, is, it is a bad weekend for Seattle. You lose to Portland 3-0. You do it on a very special day for the Sounders. They're celebrating uh, the CONCACAF Champions League title. 
And we find out, really not after the game, before the game, because he said it on Wednesday before the game, Gio Savarese said they were happy, Portland was happy that the Sounders were doing it. So uh, that big celebration turned into bulletin board material for your rival. They come into your house, they beat you 3-0 in front of 47,000 fans. It's a bad weekend, but it's, a Herc, I would compare it to like a superficial wound because the problems in Atlanta seem much, much deeper, and they seem to run all the way up to Carlos Bocanegra, who has been given a lot of money and to Darren play Eels. with. Darren You can go but higher. The, but the, team's not, the team is not quite coming together. Uh, if we were to do a blame game, where do you see the fault lying? Definitely front office. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could blame the players as much as you want, but there's a, a bad accumulation of said players. What are you going to blame ownership here? <laughs> I mean... Uh, good old Uncle Arthur's given this team more money than probably they could have ever imagined or any Major League Soccer club could have imagined. It's the roster construction here, and you can go back to the coaches and who you've hired. I mean, you could talk about the DeBoer. You could talk about Heinze. You could talk about now Gonzalo Pineda. And if that was a right choice, it's it just one after the other. And you could say, as Joseph Martinez uh, very well uh, said there, you could mention injuries, but mm-hmm. it's not really been a case of injury. It's been a case of... We bought these players for a lot of money. We're putting an accumulation of players onto the field, and it's not working, and it's one after the other. If players that you buy for an enormous amount of money aren't producing, and not only are they not producing, but they're not even trying, well, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. We criticize ownership a lot on this show. Atlanta, probably the one place where you can't really <laughs> do that. All right, let's get lost with a little New York City FC. Why are we talking about New York City FC? This is a picture from July 3rd before New York City against uh, Atlanta at Yankee Stadium. This Saturday, uh, New York City beat the New England Revolution at this very spot by a final score of 4-2. to two. You know that uh, Joseph Martinez was not very happy after the Atlanta game. Well, guess what? Bruce Arena was not very happy after this one. Well, there was a chance that we, had, we could have a good game today despite the fact we were playing on a, a bad baseball field that's supposed to be a soccer field and We're scheduling games at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in July. But we had two good teams. There was a chance of having a real good game. And unfortunately, that was not the case. Okay, so we know Bruce Arena's a little bit upset. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, more tension. Ernst Tanner, he's Philadelphia Union's sporting director. He says he felt fooled when LAFC went out and signed Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini to TAM deals. Quote, that takes some believing. All right, so I don't know if this is a get lost, Herc, or a shot's fired, but uh, which of these two comments do you want to focus in on first? Oh, can we go to Ernst Tanner first? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is any way you want to look at it, get lost or shot's fired. Wow. He is alluding to the fact that he feels LAFC is cheating. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just pretty much said, hey, there's no way those players are playing for under $1.6 million. They're doing something sneaky like Inter-Miami did, like David Beckham and Jorge Mas's team did. And they've been sanctioned for it, and they were caught in fines and all these different things. He's pretty much saying that. He's saying there's no way these two superstars are making that amount of money. There's no way they should be playing at LAFC. Uh, What's the reason this is happening? Because they like the sunshine? So he's throwing some very heavy accusations without any proof. Now, I know that in the history of Major League Soccer, Seb, things like this have happened. We've mm-hmm. heard the stories. We've heard the stories of MLS point one, you know, or 1.0, excuse me, uh, where these players were paid. Jorge in, Campos for, Ferrari. Jorge Campos Ferrari. Claudio Zlatan's Suarez. team in Sweden. Yeah. Cla- 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 hold on, I'll get there. Claudio Suarez on a different bank account in, in Mexico. And, and yes, here's a TAM player 
Zlatan, LA Galaxy, and that's not even MLS 1.0. We're going on new age uh, uh, MLS, and he was playing here, yes, for that amount, but they also promised him half a franchise in Sweden. So we've seen things like this, but he is an official of the league. You can't do this unless you have proof. You know what? You think he'll get fined? He should. Really? Yeah. So, because I'm thinking if, if Tanner Ernst is willing to say this into a microphone and say this on the record, I wonder how much of the rest of the league feels this way and is questioning uh, exactly what it is that LAFC did to get those guys to accept the TAM deals. Can we focus in on New England just for a second? Go because ahead. I'm never going to criticize Bruce Arena for talking about Yankee Stadium. It is, a, it is an embarrassment that there are games being played there. Every image that I see, it seems, of Yankee Stadium as a soccer field gets worse and worse and worse. So he's, he's definitely onto something there. But there is something happening in New England, Herc. There is a tension. There is a frustration. I think they're ninth right now in the Eastern Conference. They're below the playoff line. We saw reports of Josie Altidore getting into it with a, a, an assistant on the Revolution staff during the game over the weekend. So I think there's something happening in New England that's very different from the Supporter Shield team that we saw a year ago. Obviously. I mean, where do we start? It, it, we should not shy away from what is that soccer field mm -hmm. in New York. It's an abomination for these players and it's an abomination for the league. It's a bad look. Those are the defending MLS Cup champions. But to go from a historic team in the regular season to do what you did last season, to be where you are this season with that amount of talent, with that coach, that is telling you something. There is something brewing deeper in New England than we are aware of. All right, well, before Bruce Arena turned New England Revolution around, he, of course, turned the L.A. Galaxy around. Galaxy and LAFC, Herka. You, of course, as we mentioned off the top of the show, calling this one on ESPN Deportes. Wild game. LAFC getting off to a quick start. Um, the atmosphere in this one really came across on television, I have to say. Yeah, it came across on the field level as well. I got into it with some LAFC uh Assistant coach wanted me to move over. I said, what are you doing, guy? Uh, anyways. I said, Garrett Bale was there, man. Yeah, Did you say hello? Yell louder. They'll run more for you, I said. Muppet. <laughs> uh, anyways, a great game if you're a neutral. Unbelievable game. Five goals. Gareth Bale was there. Again, again, the uh, LAFC players drenching their newfound players with I don't know what type of liquid. Ridiculous. Yep. But the game did not disappoint. So, great game if you're Seb, too. I nailed the parlay. Over two and a half, and LAFC to win uh, their fourth win in 16 all-time games against the Galaxy. Douglas Costa, he was not at El Tráfico uh, because he has been suspended for violent conduct. And of course, Herc, you're all over Instagram. You saw our man Douglas Costa on vacation and posting about it on social media. Let me guess, you are not cool with this. All right, let me state, we don't know if this is his house, if he's on vacation, when this was, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's state that. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt there. But read the room, guy. I mean, you're on a two-game suspension right now for elbowing a player pretty much when the game was over across the face. Two games, and your team who is paying you millions and millions mm. and millions of dollars to be here and be productive just lost to their biggest rival, the same team that plays in their city, a city that they've dominated for the longest time, in a rivalry that they dominate for the longest time, and now the fans see you not producing, see you Posting up this picture, having the time of your life, mm. where it looks like you're just enjoying the sun. You don't care about anything else but you in that moment. It looks terrible. Mm. Now, 
I got issue with Douglas Costa. I got issue with those who brought Douglas Costa right now. Maybe mm. he'll turn it around. Maybe he won't. But the signs were there. The red flags were there. And if you don't think so, ask any Gremio fan. Mm. Ask any Gremio fan how he left Brazil. Now, if you're the Galaxy front office, stop bringing these players who don't care about the Los Angeles Galaxy. The LA Galaxy used to mean something. Not only in Los Angeles, where they still do mean something, but in the league. They propped up Major League Soccer for the majority of its existence. And now, they're not a successful team. Now they have players who don't understand what it's like or what it should be like to represent the crest, to wear the uniform. It can't be that only a handful of players understand that responsibility. And one of those players is 40 years old, making like 87K a year, and used to be the captain of Chivas USA. I'm talking about Sasha Kleshton. You can't be one of the only players who actually knows what it means to play for the LA Galaxy. Mm. It used to mean something. Does it now? Mm. I don't know. Maybe not to uh, Douglas Costa, but you really hit the point there, right? It's If Douglas Costa was scoring and being a successful signing, we probably wouldn't be paying attention to this. He has been nothing short of a bust so far. And so uh, that's why I think you have every right to be cool with it. Probably some Galaxy fans uh, that have every right to not be very cool with it as well. All right, let's talk about the Texas Derby, Herc. Houston and Dallas. Hector Herrera's debut. He came on in the 55th minute in front of a sold-out crowd. Herc, what happened? I I thought he wasn't going to sell tickets. Hey, well, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Let's, see how, let's see how long it continues. Listen, I love me some Hector Herrera. You know that. He's my boy. But let's see how long it continues for. Yep. He helped uh, set up Houston's first goal. They scored a goal here in the 83rd, but it was called back. Herc, you didn't like this. Oh, that's a tough one. Is, is Papa Pico really impeding the vision of the goalkeeper here? Come on, man. Mm. So it was 1-1 late into this game, and, and things got crazy after Jesus Ferreira scored his goal to put Dallas up 2-1 in the 93rd. The Dynamo fans are raining down the beverages, and then Houston, Teenage Adebe, in the 100 and what was it, first minute getting the 2-2 yeah, equalizer. Crazy game. Congrats on the draw and, and I guess the atmosphere till the end, but what are you doing? That's ridiculous. That's mm. just... That's just classless. There's no room for Identify each and every fan. Bar them. They should never be back. Dude, I, I heard from some fans that were there, some of my old Dynamo friends. They said, yep, one of the best atmospheres that they've had. Beer throwing aside uh, since back in the Dominic Kinnear days, 2011, Brian 2012, Chang. when they were basically, uh, you know, staples in MLS Cup or uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Hey, one more bit of MLS news. Not necessarily rivalry week, but uh, potentially hurt a big trade. Mark Anthony Kay, the Canadian international, going to Toronto from Colorado. TFC loading up. What do you think? Well, this is Bob Bradley bringing a player he trusts. Remember Louis City? Uh, sorry, Louisville City. He brought him there from USL to LAFC, a player he likes. Coming back to Toronto, I think Colorado's missing out on a good player. I think both sides win here. Okay. Oh, a trade where both sides win. Then Toronto FC acquiring Mark Anthony Kay from the Colorado Rapids. Big news across Major League Soccer. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Jornada 2 in the books in Liga MX. It was not great uh, for any of Los Grandes. Not really. <laughs> Let's start with Club America. Uh, they actually fell behind. 1-0 against Rayados. Then stormed back. Took a 2-1 lead. 
very quickly, playing some pretty good ball, only to then blow it in the second half, allowing uh, two goals for Rayados in the second 45. Ah, oh, the frustration. It's they were playing goal. well. Good goal by Zendejas, good goal by Cabecita, good touch, get him in front and back. Oh, no, no, don't lose the mark there. It's only Maxi Mesa. Maxi Mesa, not the tallest player, but he'll do it for you. And then was it a foul? Nope. And then Rod uh, Aguirre, excuse me, finishes up 2-2, two, two, or is that a 3-2, I should say. Yep. The two goals there coming eight minutes apart as Rayados turned the tables on America. What about Chivas? Oh, boy, they lost one nothing to Atletico San Luis, so at least, at least Mauricio somewhere uh, is happy, or at least was happy on Saturday. San Luis had one shot on goal, Herc, in this game. One shot on goal. There it is. That's all they needed. Look at that. Uh, Facundo Waller, it's a good little goal. Anticipates well over Iramir. And then uh, it should have been two? No. I'm going to call this one back. Not going to have it two. A little push-up error. Got stepped what on, What do you think? Actually. A little chivar? Chivar? No, no, look. He gets stepped on. He gets stepped on. I'll allow it. He'll allow it, says Herc. Chivas. Getting the calls, uh, but not the breaks, ultimately. What about Pumas? Oh, they, they had a great weekend, right? Got off to a 3-0 start against Leon. I guess that's great. Dineno, who doesn't score all that much in the league score, so you're feeling good about that. Oh, uh, Leon went down a man. I mean, 3 Everything was going great for Pumas, right? 3-0, and you're against a 10-man team. You gotta finish that. I mean, you're away from Home. There's no Toto way. Salvio, the big There's signing no from Boca Juniors, getting this. on the board. Everything's great for. Oh, wait uh -oh. a second. Three oh, one. God, why? No, wait a second. Oh, Joel Cambo, three two. Oh, Joel, Joel, don't, don't, don't. Watch in your post. Oh no, three three. How do you choke that away? Mm. Three second half goals for Leon. The game finishes uh, in a three three draw. Shades of a Cruz Azulada. We should mention Cruz Azul, the other of the four grandes, also lost uh, against Pachuca on the weekend. But let's focus in on America. Chivas and Pumas, who have played her six games so far this season and combined have zero wins. Which of those three should be hitting the panic button the hardest right now? Hear me out before you go all crazy on me. It's Club America. It's Club America. First game, they tie. Mm -mm. You're just doing this to, to I'm not. Up. I'm not. Second game, it's Monterrey, and you know what? I think Monterrey is a very good team. You know what? I think Monterrey is the best roster in all of... You think they're a good roster. You don't think they're a good team. Correct. 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 But they beat you in a way where it could have been worse. And not only that, and, and, and I will say, I like what I saw from Cabecita. I thought he was better than I thought he'd be, physically. And I think he will get better. But this is not a deep team. And this is a team that's going to have a lot of pressure on them. In the next 65 days, it may not sound like a lot 65 days, okay? It's a little over two months. They've got 21 games, Seb, hmm. between league play, these ridiculous friendlies they got scheduled versus Chelsea, Real Madrid, Man City. It's a game every three days. And then if you want to talk about the national team players they have or the superstars they have, so national team, one game. And then there's going to be the MLS Liga Mekis All-Star Game where you assume there are going to be some America players in that game. There's going to be literally a five-day span where you have one game, Juarez, All-Star Game in the middle, sandwiched with Pumas on the back end in five days. It's an enormous and crazy amount of games in these next two months. The calendar is against them. It's a team that's not proven to be healthy in the last three years. It's always something. 
and a team with enormous amount of pressure with an inexperienced coach. This is the worst possible scenario for me. I don't know if Dan Ortiz makes it out of this. Look, I don't feel great about where Club America is, but there were definitely signs of hope and have been so far this season. Just the Rayados game really quick. That first half was as good as I've seen them play in a really long time. They were playing so well that even Jonathan Dos Santos he did looked look good. good. Looked like a player, okay? So there's definitely signs of hope there. And you got a goal from Cabecita Rodriguez in his first game with the team, okay? So I have something to feel good about with Club América. If you're a Pumas fan, I think there's something to feel good about. Yes, yes, you shipped three in the second half. Terrible. But you scored three. Dineno scored one of them. Checks the box. Toto Salvio, who you just brought in for big money, scores. That checks a huge box. You have something to, to feel good about if you're those two teams. Chivas has zero points, zero wins, mm-hmm. zero goals. Yeah, but that's where they've been for the last, like, what, eight, ten years. Okay, so, but, so but if, they, they, if, they're, if they're scraping, if they're scraping that playoff line, mm-hmm. that to them is normal. If America is scraping that playoff line, does Dan Ortiz survive? Oof, that's a good question. That's a good question. It depends kind of what scraping the playoff line is. But I, 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 think he's, I think he's okay for now based on what he did last year. If I'm, if I'm America, I can at least say, what's the biggest thing I got to do? I got to score goals. I have my answer. Cabecita. If I'm Pumas, I can look and say, hey, I have my answer. It's Dineno. If you're Chivas and you clearly need goals, what's your answer? Maybe, maybe, Same problem maybe. as the last three seasons. Defensively good, no goals. Same problem last three seasons. The only difference here, and I will go back when you're talking about America, is la exigencia. The mm. expectations of America are different here because that's who imposes them, them, themselves. Okay. It's, it's a tricky situation, and guess who's up next? Toluca, which is a high-flying first-place Toluca team right now. Okay, so speaking of the fact, Herc, that Chivas does not have goals, We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Let's see if we could come up with a solution, because certainly Chivas is trying to do just that, and they may be changing the way, Herc, that they do business. Santiago Ormeño, right now uh, with Leon. He's born in Mexico, but he represents uh, Peru at the international level, and according to Tudena, his medical with Chivas is complete. An announcement of his signing is imminent. I think we're calling this segment, Are You Cool With It? But I think first, Herc, we should kind of explain uh, and give people context why this would be such a big deal. The identity of Chivas is that they have only ever played uh, with not just Mexican-born players, but players for a long time who would represent only Mexico. This would be a, a, a definite departure from that. Yeah, Mexican-born or sons of Mexican-born parents who clearly state they only want to represent the Mexican national mm-hmm. team. That was the case for a long time, the longest time. Uh, quite frankly, it's a case that affected me Personally, because in 2012, I was playing with Santos Laguna, and I was on, on a, we had become champions. We had won the league play, the league uh, tournament. We had got second place in the CONCACAF Champions League. I was Whoa, on the tail. Like oh, la portada, wow. I was doing well, and all of a sudden, my name started surfacing to go to Chivas. I knew the assistant coaches when Van Cheep and the Dutch group were there with Johan Cruyff. So why didn't you go? Well, Jorge Vergara said, yeah. He can go, no problem. There was an uproar by the press. 
uproar mm. by the purists. And then they came out and said, well, if this is the case, any player who wants to play with Chivas has to renounce any other national team. Obviously, that was not going to be the case uh, for me. It didn't happen. But this just as recently as maybe a few months ago changed. A Guatemalan player on the female side, uh, plays for Chivas, decided to honor her mother and represent the Guatemalan national team. She had U.S. and Mexican possibilities. They opened up that possibility for her to play with the Guatemalan national team. Why still playing with Chivas? So this obviously, this new uh, statue, if you will, um, opens up the possibility for other players to do the same. It's interesting to hear your story, Herc. It seems like the line is kind of moving generationally almost as it's as it's needed or, or maybe as it's convenient for Chivas, right? First it was Mexican-born, then it's born of Mexican parents, um, and, and, and I think those lines will continue to change. This one is a big one, though. Letting somebody who plays for another national team uh, play for Chivas definitely, I think, at least for some fans, will, will change the identity. Do you think Santiago Ormeño, just as a player, do you think he's the right guy for this job? It's a massive job, and I'm really struggling to think outside of JJ Macias for a few months when the last time there was a number nine for Chivas that you could really, truly count on. Alan Pulido, probably the last one, goal-scoring champion um, before he left for Major League Soccer. Santiago Ormeño, there are two versions of him. There's a Puebla version who was very good with Larcamón, played as a post, got others involved, and ended up scoring goals. Very productive. And then there's the Leon version, a guy that's not really gotten a fair shake. He's been coming off mm. the bench, and that's about it. Leon is a team that has a lot of foreign uh, players, very good foreign players, and usually they're in that nine position. Uh, so he hasn't really gotten too much of a chance. With Pumas, I'm sorry, with Chivas, excuse me, I think he will be a productive player. He will be that player to get others involved and there will be a better team with them. Now, I am cool with them going for Santi Ormeño. Mm -hmm. Here's where I am not cool. This is a xenophobic practice, okay? Quite frankly, if this was the a- The policy itself, The policy saying. itself. If this okay. was a corporation or a team within the continental United States, this would never happen. They'd get sued for discrimination. It's just known fact. But Santiago Ormeño is Mexican enough to play for the Mexican national team. And he plays for the Peruvian, excuse me, to play for Chivas, and he plays for the Peruvian national team. Okay? Santiago Ormeño, Mexican enough for Chivas, though he plays for the Peruvian national team. Rogelio Funes Mori and Santiago Jimenez are not Mexican enough to play for Chivas, even though they represent the Mexican national team. That to because me of where they were born. Is insane. That to me is laughable. It is ridiculous. It is dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it seems very arbitrary. The one last thing I'll say is it's, it's a good move for Chivas because we always talk about is, as Liga Mekis continues to grow, the fact that you only lean on Mexican players, wherever you draw that line, is a disadvantage. You have a very small talent pool. By doing this, it opens up that very narrow talent pool. Guys like Brendan Vasquez, who we have talked yep. about before, potentially linked to Chivas. That would make that player accessible, available to Chivas. So I think as they move forward, if they want to really continue to be competitive. Ricardo Pepe, Paul Arriola even. You, you almost have to go uh, down this route. All right, let's take a U-turn, a pretty drastic one here. A fashion U-turn, if you will, because we are talking about the Mexican national team a little bit. We have the 2022 Mexico World Cup kit. Now, the uh, design was inspired by uh, the pre-Columbian deity Quetzalcoatl, which, for those uh, familiar with the history down in Mexico, is, uh, is a feathered serpent god. Um, that's at least what Adidas is claiming. Herc, what do you think of this jersey? Because I got some thoughts. I'm sorry, did you say a feathered serpent god? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Uh... <laughs> 
Listen, I don't know the issue here. This is causing an uproar. Why is it the Mexican national team jersey? There's always something. It can never just be like, oh, it's green, it's nice, yay. It's always something. Why, Seb? Mm, why? Because we want something great. I'm gonna give it a tripping. Oh, it's neither. I'm giving oh, it a tripping. Come on. Uh, can I can I uh, name a few things that I like at first? At least it's green, right? It's not okay. black and pink anymore. We have moved past that. It's not that. Uh, bad. I like that. If we saw the the full image, you see it's a it's a true uh, tricolor, right? Green, white, red. Those are the two positives I will take. Uh, what I don't like is the shade of green, dude. It's way too light. It does not look Mexico to me. Uh, our producer Rafa mentioned the Morocco jersey that we've recently seen. It felt a shade close to that, so I, I don't like that. I think if you're, if you're going to claim that it's inspired uh, by pre-Columbian history, there was way, way more ways to make this cooler and make this better. So I think they missed there. And also the new crest, meh, I'm not that crazy about it. So a tripping for me, Herc. Do you disagree? At least it's green, Seb. We okay, but that's a pretty low bar, man. You should jersey. Come on, man. Okay. All right, so you don't agree with what I think about the 2022 World Cup. But uh, our producer asked me to come up with my top five Mexico World Cup kits of all time. So let's see um, if you agree with some of these choices. It's actually not all time, right? It's basically like of our lifetime. So I think we're going to go back to at least 1986, Herc, because you're at least. Whoa, no, let's start no, with number. No, no. no, no let's start Come with number on. five you got on the my internet. List. Look what you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going with 2010, the World Cup, Mexico's black kit. Now, I will say this: when it first came out, I was in love with this kit. The black kit was very much uh, the look of the moment. They had a long sleeve version that was beautiful, but I don't think they played really well in this kit. They didn't really play well in 2010. And Herc, as you will see, uh, as much as fashion comes into my choices here. How the team performed in the uniforms also matters quite a bit. That was the Javier Aguirre, I will save you again moment. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so number four, you and I saw this one live in Russia. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prefer to remember it in the game against South Korea where we witnessed them score. We saw your boy Carlos Vela score a goal. I like the, uh, again, the tricolor, you got your white and you got the cool stripes, green and red. I know you like this one, Herc. It's clean, I do like that one, it's very clean. Okay, so that's number four from 2018. Number three, I'm going way back to 1986, just because, I mean, come on. It's clean, it's classic, it's kind of the, the baseline from which everything else begins. It's beautiful. It's also, Herc, the only jersey which has ever appeared in El Quinto Partido for Mexico. So this is a big one for me. This, this is historic. Weren't there only five games at the World, that World nah, Cup? <laughs> don't try and belittle Mexico's accomplishment. I'm not, I'm not. It, it was in Mexico, a uh, very good tournament. It's a sleek, I, like, I love the collar. Any jersey with a collar, I'm a sucker for. Okay. All right, so that's 1986 at number three. For 1994, we're seeing the green jersey on Hugo Sanchez, but I'm actually going with the white Jersey, which is a much crazier look. I don't know if you remember it. Herc, I do. But this one was very personal to me because I saw them in this uniform against Italy at RFK in my hometown. Marcelino Bernal scores a second half goal against Gianluca Pagliuca to get him out of the group phase. And so for me, that white kit, which is not the green that you're looking at, is definitely <laughs> my number two. Google it. Google it. Uh, it's a thing of Google beauty. Google RFK now, as well, kids. Oh, don't Google RFK. It might still be on fire. 1998, the World Cup kits. I could have made this the whites. I could have made this the greens. Yeah. I went with the green. Uh, it's the so-called uh, Aztec calendar on the front of it. This for me, Herc, my number one jersey. And again, how they played factors into it. This was my favorite 
Mexico World Cup team. The Ava Sport. Do you remember Ava Sport? What so a throwback. Nice. Yeah, I, I do so like nice. the big Aztec calendar right in your face. Uh, the collar I could have probably done something else with, uh, but it is a very cool jersey. Though, I like your list. Not yep. my favorite jersey. It didn't appear. Which my, one was it? My favorite jersey, and I know why you stated 86 and above, because when I tweet or when I put it in the ch in the group chat, I know you were like, "Oh, that's a good jersey." It's a 1970 jersey mm -hmm. for Mexico. That is the cleanest. It's a retro jersey, the cleanest jersey out there for Mexico. Google it, and if Again. anybody has it, if anybody out there is making retro jerseys, and it's a 1970 Mexico jersey, send it my way. Okay. Again, Herc reminding us of his age. He was alive to see that team for Mexico way back Your mom in 1970. All right, uh, we got MLS doubleheader on your TVs coming up on Sunday. Atlanta against Orlando, and then New York Red Bulls, New York City. Uh, the first one on ABC and ESPN Deportes, the second one on ESPN and ESPN Deportes on Sunday. Do not miss it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, right, Herc. Let's uh, dive in on the women's game. Now, this happened actually late Thursday night, just after we got off the air. Mexico losing at home in the CONCACAF W Championships 3 Nothing to Haiti Thursday in Monterrey. This comes, of course, after the one nothing loss against Jamaica in the first game. Mexico, bro, they are effectively eliminated from the World Cup. They need to beat the U.S. tonight. Good luck. And on top of that, get help. So no doubt about it, so far it is a fracaso. I need to know, Herc, what went wrong and who, who is to blame? All right. Let's first give credit where credit is due. Totally. Haiti they, was awesome. Haiti was very good. I mean, they got like 12 players who play in the French League. They got a bunch of players who play at a collegiate level, very good level. Mm -hmm. uh, so Dumornay is going to be a huge signing. The, she didn't even score against Mexico, but Dumornay, a name to remember in the women's you game. You should not take them lightly, which is exactly what many in the Mexican camp did. Many of the Mexican pundits, many of the Mexican fans. Here's the issue with Mexico. Mexico, for the longest time, was not competitive. They get Liga MX Femenil, and it's very, very popular. It has immediate success within, okay? Mexican-only players. They're selling out a few stadiums, big time. And it gets increasingly and overwhelmingly popular in a few places, like Monterrey, like Guadalajara. And all of a sudden, everybody and anybody in Mexico thinks, we've done it, this is it, mm. we should be good. Look what we're doing. And they forget about the resources. They forget that a lot of these players are making 4,500 pesos mensuales, which comes out to maybe a little over $200 a month. They forget how these women are treated. They forget mm -hmm. how these women are treated. And when they raise their voice, when they speak up, how they get punished for it. I'm mm -hmm. talking Charlene Coral. It's systematic. It's the federation. Because anytime these players try to enact change, anytime they try to do something that makes them better or betters their situation, they get shushed. They get quieted. They get punished and blacklisted for it. Charlene Coral is no longer on the national team for it. It's a federational I symptom. And these mm -hmm. players are victims of those circumstances. 
I agree with your point about kind of overall arrogance, right? It's like, hey, we got Liga Mekis Femenil, we've invested some, but let's be honest, as you talk about the salaries, kind of the bare minimum there. And it's CONCACAF, oh, it's, it's Jamaica, it's Haiti. We'll put on, you know, our Adidas L3 uniform and, and you know, we're at, hey, we might not be a top two team in CONCACAF, we might not be top three, we're at least top four. And even if not that, we'll be at least top six and stay alive for the Intercontinental Playoffs. So uh, there's definitely some element of arrogance, overconfidence hurting Mexico here. It's also talent. I think we do have to, I think we do have to point out the coach, Monica Vergara. Okay, she made some big decisions. We talked about it when she decided not to call in Corral. What did I say? I said, if you don't qualify and you leave Charlene Corral off this team, you're going to be in trouble. She made some game day decisions and the players she did start, didn't start. Katy Martinez, we wanted to see more of. Licha Cervantes, we wanted yeah. to see more of. So I think you can very much point to Vergara and say, not only did you make some wrong choices, you didn't get this team ready. They look totally overmatched against Jamaica and Haiti. And this is a coach who promised us that we would see a Mexico like we'd never seen before. I will also agree with you on, on your point about the Federation. For me, the clearest evidence that this Federation is failing women's football and is failing this national team and specifically in this tournament. Herc, it's the attendance. Like we know for a fact that somebody in Monterrey, not just somebody, two organizations, in and around that city, know how to fill a stadium for women's football. There are lists of people who have bought tickets to watch women's football in that city that go 10, 20, 30, 40,000 deep. And the Mexican Federation, along with CONCACAF, who doesn't always promote their tournaments the best, could not sell tickets to this tournament or would not sell them. 5,000 for the first night of this tournament with Mexico playing in the nightcap? They claimed. That is pathetic. That is pathetic, Herc. And you, uh, you can blame some of the fans, but I can't really lean on the people of Monterey all that much when they've clearly supported the women's game in the past. Yeah, they claim 5,000. I don't know if it looked 5,000 to you. Mm. No, not at all. All right, so uh, let's talk about some uplifting things then in the women's game. If we're very bad about, mad about uh, El Tri Femenil, we can talk about another game that you were at over the weekend. Herc, Angel City against the San Diego Wave. What was the atmosphere uh, like at the bank for this one? <laughs> it was an awesome atmosphere, man. They really know how to put on a show. The celebrities, the stars came out. I'm telling you, it was a great time. We had a blast. And even though they were a man down, you will see it. Angel City won, baby. Yeah, they did. They got off to that fast start we saw with the Allie Riley goal. Kristen McNabb uh, in the 59th minute, though, getting it across the line there for San Diego. This one going late. Angel City going to get their winner in the 81st minute from a sub, Claire Emsley. It's a good little goal right here. You see Cindy Rue lift her leg up kind of fortuitous. It uh, falls right to her, and look at that. It's on the brink, too, I believe, 81st minute. Time yep. was winding down. It's a good goal. Emsley from Scotland. Stevie and Craig be loving that. All right, elsewhere in the NWSL, another rivalry, OL Reign against Portland Thorns. Portland going up 1-0 after the own goal 12 minutes in. Oh, no. Like, what happened here? I honestly don't think this goes in if it's not on turf. All right, one minute later, OL Reign get their equalizer. Olivia Athens. It's a good little goal right there. And then this goal, I mean, how much closer do you need to get in front of the goal? It's a, it's a yard out. Maybe the goalkeeper right there has to be a little braver. Ina Sugita putting Portland up 2-1. Here's the 2-2 from Bethany Balser. That's right. 81st minute gets the tie at seven games unbeaten at Lumen. Herc, did you recognize anything weird about those highlights? Uh, what about them? Mm -hmm. So that game, one of the key rivalry games across the National Women's Soccer League, was available exclusively 
on Twitch. Now, a lot of NWSL fans were very upset about this. Did the NWSL get it right or wrong here? You get it wrong. Listen, I, I understand the idea for the NWSL of trying to partner with Twitch and using Twitch. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing, large platform. It's a way to cast that net, widen your audience. You can get a lot of eyeballs on it. But this is the premier match in the NWSL, the premier rivalry. And what you want to do is you want to showcase it. And there are hardcore fans who want to see this. Don't put it on Twitch. It's not a one-off. It's not like it's all of a sudden had problems. Fans have been complaining about problems with Twitch and the NWSL for quite some time. You lack the respect that the game deserves, and you punish the fan for it. This is the premier rivalry in the WSL, and I get what they want to do. I repeat, the eyeballs, the, yeah. the way of gaining new fans, but at the end of the day is showcase your product, and if this is the best product you have, you can't put it somewhere like Twitch where you can have these airs. All right, NWSL, the, the refrain we hear all the time is that it's a league that wants to be taken more seriously. And the bottom line about this is I don't actually have a problem with you putting games on Twitch. To some extent, I think it's genius. It is. You just can't do what you did here, which is put them exclusively on Twitch. And, and this is not a knock on Twitch. It's, it's, for, it's for video game streaming. It's for streaming. You know, we've done it before. But it's not for broadcasting a game. Like, you could see the images right there were not good enough. If you're just trying to watch the game as a fan, you're looking at this and you're saying... This is an inferior product, and it's not an inferior product. We just showed you the highlights. It was a great game. You just couldn't see it very well. Not only that, Seb, it's a good game. You couldn't see it very well. It's not an inferior product. So what you want to do is showcase your best product. But if this is your best product being showcased and you're trying to get new fans, and I'm a casual fan and I see this, why am I coming back? There you go. Yeah, I think it's a tough one. Uh, for the league as they look to promote their product ever more. But uh, at least on this one, seems like they missed the spot. Hey, uh, Alex Morgan wasn't available for Angel City, or uh, sorry, for San Diego over the weekend. So I know you missed her at the big game. Kristen Press, of course, uh, out too. Nevertheless, uh, Alex Morgan in the headlines, not just for her play at the CONCACAF W Championship. Here's what she told Grant Wall when they were talking about ESPN FC's recently released top 50 ranking. She said it was completely ridiculous but when the fact that only six U.S. players made the list, she said also that that number will go up next year. Herc, are you buying what Alex Morgan is selling? We're going to see a lot more Americans in that ESPN FC Top 50 next year or what? Well, you tell me, Seb. You voted, and you didn't did put vote. him on there. Nah, <laughs> don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me. So I will explain a little bit of what I think happened. Uh, last year, I think the, the voters were more American-focused people, okay. right? I think they did a better job, a fair job, of diversifying it. So we got a lot of European perspective in this year's poll. Um, now, if you look at, at my top 50, I think I have six Americans in the top, like, 30, right? I've got, I've got two or three Americans in the top 10. I don't have my list in front of me right here. There's also some ex extenuating circumstances here. Crystal Dunn's a top 10 player. Yep. She's pregnant. Julie yep. Ertz is, a, is a, probably a top 10 player. Um, and she's pregnant. So if those two players are there, I don't think we're, this list looks as bad. It, it doesn't look as bad when there's only one American in the top 10 or only six um, in the top 50. So I think the list is, is perfectly fine. I would be shocked if, at the, if next year after the World Cup there's not more Americans. Because as always, the U.S. tends to do well in the World Cups. And that's why for me, especially last year, I put a lot of Americans in the top 50. Because the biggest tournament that I had to lean on 
was the 2019 World Cup, and the U.S. dominated that. Okay, let me play devil's advocate for a second. Mm -hmm. We are talking about tournaments of the past. Alex Morgan is talking about tournaments of the past. They came off a very, very underwhelming Olympic Games, okay? You're going to a generational shift right now, Vlako's team. There are lots of questions mm -hmm. about this team, how they will do against traditional world powers. And we're questioning the amount of Americans. Are, are we maybe not focusing enough on what the rest of the world has done, mm. of how good the rest of the world has been, the Champions League play, the women that are playing abroad? Are we not focusing enough there? Look, if you're asking me if I'm if I'm personally am overvaluing Americans, I, I don't I don't think that's what I'm doing. Obviously, I have my, my biases and my perspectives. You might be able to make the case that I personally am overvaluing the National Women's Soccer League and the body of work that players put together there because I watch it more and that I'm overvaluing the World Cup. But I, those are those are the biggest tournament and the most competitive league in the world. I can defend myself there, Herc. I can defend myself very easily when I lean on those two competitions, I think. If that's the route you want to go, I mean, mm. saying I don't watch another league so I couldn't tell you is not really the best <laughs> argument. Um, all right, uh, let's remind you that there is more Major League Soccer on your screens midweek. You don't even have to wait for the weekend. On Wednesday, it's Minnesota United against Sporting Kansas City as Heineken rivalry week continues. That one, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN as well as ESPN Deportes. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Herc, some transfer talk now. Orbelin Pineda, he's leaving Celta Vigo. Woo! Where's he going? Standard Liege of Belgium. Herc, you like this? I know you wanted him out of Celta. I like it. I, I want him out of Celta. I think it's ridiculous. I think the way he's being treated is unfair. Are you a little disappointed at Standard Liege? They were 14th in the Belgian League last year. Like, like I, I would have liked to see him stay in Spain. It, it's good enough for Memo Ochoa. It's not good enough for Orbelin Pineda. No, I'm not saying it's not good enough. I'm just saying he could have done better, maybe. Man, he just needs to get out. Like, honestly, at this point, he's being yeah. held hostage by Celta Vigo. Hey, and he's got to find playing time. After all, it is a World Cup year. Speaking of players potentially on the move, Danny Alves. We know he was linked to Liga Mekis. Remember all the back and forth between him and Piojo Herrera over age and what, what one could bring. Now he's been linked to Pumas, the 39-year-old. So, Herc, uh, what kind of impact do you think Danny Alves would have in Liga Mekis. This is the most ridiculous move, if true. If reports are true, and Pumas is going to give a 39-year-old right back $4 million, this Pumas team that's in financial straits, this Pumas team that for years had no resources is going to give a 39-year-old right back $4 million to play for them. It's the dumbest move I've, I, I've ever heard of. You get rid of Alan Mosso, who's 25 years old, who is a right back and your best player and the best right back in Liga Amekis. For Dani Alves today, who's 39 years old, is going to play home games at noon on a Sunday under that intense sun. 
in that altitude with that smog, who's by no means gonna bring you Ronaldinho type of madness to Liga Amekis. Won't move the needle off the field and maybe won't move the needle on the field to the extent of $4 million. If so, the dumbest thing I've seen. Uh, let me ask you this very quickly. If it wasn't $4 million, if it was a more accessible number, is he even a player that you would want for Pumas? Because I'm, I'm thinking about what happened to him this weekend. They didn't have too much trouble scoring goals. They had trouble defending. I know he's a right back, but that's not exactly what he's known for. Yeah. Um, any other team but Pumas, and I will tell you why in a second, but any other team he comes by for, for the right price, I'm like, hey, he's Danny Alves. Like yeah. the wealth of experience, one of the winningest players in world football of all time. Yes, bring him. But this Pumas, Andres Lidini, was in Football Picante on our airwaves, ESPN, and said, right back position will be for the kids. I will mm. play the youth. I will play the academy players. That's the route we want to go. This is Pumas. That's how we do it. All right. We will keep our eyes on Danny Alves, where he moves, if indeed it is Liga MX. Herc, speaking of defenders, you dug this up out of I don't know where, but you found it. You wanted it in the show. Sam Rogers, an American defender playing in Norway, had not one, not two, but three goals. A hat trick for the defender. Oh, Rosenberg. I remember playing them like preseason 2003, 4, 5. I don't know. But listen, it's a kid who wasn't, I guess, good enough, you could say, to try to get minutes in Seattle. So he left. Uh, Seattle Sounder Academy product, Youth Academy product, and all of a sudden, Scores a hat trick as a defender. I guess he's pretty good on set pieces. Maybe try marking him. <laughs> wow. Sam Rogers. Good Look for at him, that. man. Hat trick in Norway. I mean, defender hat tricks. That's uh, got to be an all time rarity. The last one I saw was an own goal hat trick from Kayla Moore. Remember that New Zealand? Yeah, US I, I was there. Game I was the there. Cup? 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, Herc, time for our parting shot. What happened here in the Canadian Premier League? William Accio saves the ball off the line. The only problem is he saved his own team's goal. Yeah, oh man, I feel for the kid. He's 23 years old. I saw him come out on social media and he, not too happy, regrettable. It happens, uh, our man from the Sudan. This is what I will say. I feel bad for him because mm -hmm. 2016, not too long ago, actually like the lower divisions in Canadian professional soccer were immersed in this like match fixing scandal. And mm. immediately when you see this, your mind yep. goes like, hey, that guy didn't try to score. He tried to get that ball out. Right. It's like, what's the spread in this game? Yeah. Immediately, so your, your mind immediately game? takes you there. So I feel bad for the player. Yep. That said, it's one of the worst misses I've ever seen. <laughs> in my life it happens to every forward mm -hmm. every forward's got one in his locker you're like i want that do one you, back do you think it was a miss or a brain fart i i think he just had like a, a momentary brain fart forgot where he was and and kicked at a soccer ball you yeah. think it, you think he did it on purpose and was trying to poke it across Wait, nobody the line? misses on purpose I mean, wow no i'm saying he missed it i mean he missed it what he brain fart and he thought he was playing defense for a second 
Who knows? Who knows? Someday we'll get uh, we'll get William on the show, see if he can explain it to us. All right, we will be back for Thursday's edition of Football oh, Americas. Do not miss it. Look at Herc wearing the sweet shoes. I got my Angel City I gear, by the way. Thank you very much. I can afford them now, though. So, the yeah. Julie Fowdy getting us set up. Oh, San Diego Wave, you had your chance. You never got me a kit. Now I'm an Angel City fan. Behind Washington Spirit, of course. Who? The team with one win? Oh, the defending champs, bro. Respect. DC today. DC football.